and uh, some friends took us out for durian, and uh, my wife, my wife, fell in love with durian last night. So I am extra happy now because we both love durian. All right, and uh, so it's awesome. But we've only been married for about uh, eight months now, and uh, I've already put on a few kilograms. So we got married, and I got pregnant. So. But I'm very happy to be here, and I believe God has got very exciting and awesome and powerful things in store for us here in this camp, and uh, I can't wait to share God's Word with you. And before I do that, though, I'd like to invite my precious wife to come up, say a quick hello. I'm going to ask her to pray for me and pray for us before I share the Word of God. Thank you, Fiona. Hello. It's such a joy to be here. I have to admit, I was a little bit nervous before I tried the durian. Because I was like, what if I don't like it? What does this mean for our marriage? But thank goodness, it, I, I love durian. So that was really good. But it's a joy to be here. And um, I just encourage you all, open your heart. As I was worshipping, I really felt the Lord was saying, you know, I'm extending an invitation to my people. There's an invitation for us to go deeper. Amen. So just pray for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. Father, I thank you for the work that you're doing in everyone's heart, God. And I thank you that the work that you do is permanent, Lord, and it transforms our hearts, Lord, and it transforms our lives. Father, I thank you for this weekend, Lord, where it's a time, Lord, for your people, for your sons and your daughters, Lord, to come and seek you, Father. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who would consecrate ourselves and set ourselves apart, Lord, to seek you. Father, I pray for your anointing, God, Lord, upon your word, I know it will not return unto you void. Let every heart hear from you tonight, Lord. We just release, God, encouragement and a supernatural faith in this atmosphere, Lord. God, we desire intimacy. And we pray, Father, that you would send your fire and that it would burn in our hearts, God, that we desire so much more of you, Lord. So we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the word that we're about to hear, God. And we receive it, Lord. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't my wife beautiful? I'm very happy. Uh, just in case you don't get to read that little bit about me in the, in the magazine there, or in case you haven't yet already, I was born in New Zealand at a very young age. I was nine months old when I was born, all right? And, and I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven years old. And then I was baptized when I was 12 years old. And then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 16 years old. And that made a lot of difference in my life, amen? And uh, I became a youth leader in New Zealand for some time in the church. I was also a musician. I've been a guitarist and a drummer and worship leader for years and years. But uh, in 1988, I, I, by the way, I was doing engineering and civil engineering and all of that. And so in 1988, while I was a youth leader in the church, I had a dream. And in my dream, I stood before God at the end of my life and I said, Hey God, here's my life. Pretty good, huh? And God looked at my life and he said, eh, That's not bad, but this is what I had for you. And I realized God had a plan for my life that was extraordinary. So I said, God, I, I don't want to miss your plan for me. I want to fulfill my destiny. I want to live my life to my full potential. I want to leave a legacy. Amen. 
And, uh, and then God began to stir my heart to move to Australia. I thought it was a demon to start with. I tried to cast it out, you know, but it was God. So I moved over to Australia. And within two years, I ended up in full-time ministry. And I was first working with young people, and we had a, a bit of a revival happening amongst the young people. And, and uh, it's just exciting in 1990 when I started in full-time ministry. But then in 1993, I had an operation, and I had half of my brain removed so I could become an Australian citizen. And so I can say, g'day, mate, and things like that real good now. My wife doesn't like me saying that one, but she's from Adelaide. She was born in Adelaide, and that's good. My dog was born in Adelaide as well, so that's awesome. Amen. But uh, so I, I had this operation, and then in 1993 and 94, I also did full-time ministry training while I was in full-time ministry. And, uh, and then 1997, the Lord called me to traveling around the nations of the world. And began to open up the nations and went to New Zealand. And, and uh, in fact, Malaysia was one of the first countries that I began coming to. And so God opened up many nations around the world. And I've been to now 54 different nations. It's just more and more exciting. God's opening up more and more exciting things. And, and we're seeing so many people come to Jesus. And God's given me a great vision to see a huge number of salvations, which I'm going to share with you as we go on over the weekend, which is pretty neat. But uh, I believe God's got something very exciting in store for you as individuals and as a church. Amen. And to build a legacy, we've got to be aiming at something. I mean, we've got to be believing for something. We've got to be shooting somewhere. And, and I believe that we have to have in our heart that God wants to do something great in us and through us. Amen. And He wants to show the world that Jesus is alive and, and impact the world through our lives in a very powerful kind of a way. Amen. And uh, so before God can do what God wants to do in us and through us, sometimes He needs to stretch us. He needs to stretch our thinking. He needs to stretch our expectation. He needs to stretch our faith. And so that's what I want to do a little bit of tonight. I want to start stretching you a little bit. And the Word of God's going to stretch you a little bit to prepare you for what God is going to do in you as individuals and in you as a church in the days and in the years to come. Amen. So I want to give you a little bit of a science lesson. How many people here like science? Anybody? Anybody like ast astronomy? Haha. <laughs> Anybody like looking at the stars? Can you see the stars at night in Malaysia? Is it, is it very good? I mean, New Zealand, of course, it's very beautiful in some parts of Australia. It's very good. But I grew up, uh, really, really loved the stars and, and all that sort of thing and looking at the sky and, uh, you know, just appreciating everything that God has made. And so I want to give you a little bit of a few statistics and the earth, of course, in which we live is 12,756 kilometers in diameter. Now, how many people would agree with me the earth is quite big? I mean, it's quite a big ball floating around in space. And uh, the earth is one of eight planets in our solar system. When I was a kid, there were nine planets, right? But Pluto got the sack, didn't it? Because Pluto was too small. They thought, no, it's too small. It gets, gets the boot from being a planet. So now we have eight planets in our solar system. And in the center of the solar system, which all the planets rotate around, is the sun. And the sun is 149.6 million kilometers away from the earth. Now, the sun itself is 1.4 
million kilometers in diameter. Now, who would agree with me that the sun is big, right? Makes the earth look really tiny, doesn't it? And we think, wow, 1.4 million kilometers in diameter. It's almost blowing our minds. But the reality is that our sun is just one of the small 600 billion stars in our galaxy, the Milky Way. One of the largest stars in our galaxy is 480 million kilometers in diameter. Wow, that's over 300 times the diameter of the sun. That's over 33,000 times the diameter of the earth. And that's just one of the stars in our galaxy, the Milky Way. The Milky Way is just one of billions of galaxies in the universe. Wow. Now that starts to blow your mind, doesn't it? So there are literally, when you're talking the stars in the universe, you are talking billions times billions, if not trillions, because they don't really know sometimes. It's kind of just keeps on going out there. But it's just this incredible number. And the Bible says in Psalm 147 verse 4, He counts the stars and calls them all by name. Doesn't that blow your mind? Is anyone here bad at remembering names? Come on, be honest. I'm a shocker at remembering names. You know, you come and introduce yourself to me, I've probably forgotten your name about two or three minutes later. But because uh, I meet hundreds and thousands of people around the world, in fact. But, but, you know, you have to repeat someone's name a few times if you want it to stick, don't you? But here's God. He counts the stars and He calls them all by name. Every single one of these billions times trillions have all got a name that God knows. But here's some verses in the Bible that, that even stretch my mind a little bit further. In Job chapter 26, verse 7, the Bible says, God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. How many people thought the earth was hanging on something? How many people thought the earth was flat? Give me a wave. Just checking because there's some people out there that think that, you know. It's a bit of a worry, but... He hangs the earth on nothing. The foundations of the heavens tremble at his rebuke. Verse 13 says, His Spirit made the heavens beautiful. But listen to verse 14. It says this. These are some of the minor things he does. Merely a whisper of his power. Who could understand the thunder of his power? Isn't that awesome? God is so incredible that the creation of the entire universe, all of these billions times billions of stars and planets and everything else that's out there was just a little from the mouth of God one day. Doesn't that make you just want to praise God, hey? Doesn't that, that's the God that we serve. He is an awesome God. He's the creator of all things. Now, I want to share with you tonight from one of my favorite verses in the Bible. If you've got your Bible there, you might want to turn to it. And it's found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. And I'm going to share verse 20. And in fact, I'm going to share it in the New King James translation of the Bible because it's got the words in there that I don't want to pick apart tonight. And it simply says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. One more time. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Thank you for your word, Lord. Bless it. 
tonight in Jesus' name. I'm going to pull this to, to pieces, this verse, and look at it bit by bit. Because I really want you to grasp what is being said to us here. Now, first of all, the apostle says, to him who is able to do. God is able. Can you say amen to that? Now, turn to the person beside you and say, God can do it. It doesn't matter whatever they need doing, God can do it, right? Now, let me just share with you a little progression of verses. And uh, I want you to first turn to Jeremiah, or just note down Jeremiah 32, verse 27. And I'm just going to invite Aaron to come to the platform, if you could... Brother Aaron, come on up here. Brother Aaron picked us up from the airport and uh, drove us all the way here. And uh, just come on up here for a moment, please. And let's put our hand together for Brother Aaron. If you could just stand here for a moment, please. And the Bible says, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I am the Lord. This is God speaking, of course. I am the Lord, the God of every person on the earth. Nothing is impossible for me. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that Brother Aaron is God, all right? He looks a little bit like God, doesn't he? But, uh, <laughs> so God says nothing is impossible for me. God, could you please say that for us? Nothing is impossible for me. Amen. Now, stay there. Because then the Bible goes on to say in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, very similar, but watch this. It says there, for nothing is impossible with God. I see the difference. Nothing's impossible for God, ah, but nothing is impossible with God. And then we jump to Matthew 17, 21, and there it says, nothing will be impossible for you. So it starts with God. And we get with God, and we catch something from God, don't we? We step into the realm of the impossible being made possible. What well, is Possible for God then becomes possible for us. Nothing's impossible for God, and therefore nothing is impossible for us. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Thank you, God. Let's give God a hand tonight. Thank you. God is able to do what? Above? Abundantly above? No, exceedingly, abundantly above. Well, I sounded Malaysian when I did that, didn't I? Abundantly. No, so. Was that Indian? What did that sound like to you? I don't know. I'm, I'm messed up. Exceedingly abundantly above. Let's have a look at these words. First of all, exceedingly, to an extreme degree. I'm wondering what, what's an extreme degree in Malaysia? If we were talking temperature, what would be an extreme degree here in Malaysia? What's, what's kind of the hottest that you experience it here? You have 40? No, not 40. 39. is about the hottest here. And uh, I'm from Brisbane. And uh, in Brisbane, the hottest I've experienced is 42. And that's a pretty hot day. But earlier this year, I went with my wife down to South Australia, to Adelaide. And we went out into the country, into a little town called Barrie. We're going back there in July to do a series of meetings. But uh, we went to Barrie. The day before we arrived in Barrie, it was 49 degrees. The day we got there, it was 43 degrees. 
so it wasn't so bad, all right? As you can imagine, it was very hot, all right? And and we're thinking like, whoa, this is really stretching. I've got a nephew who lives in the Middle East, and he's experienced temperatures in the early to mid-50s. How many people think that's an extreme? All right, it's just getting out there, isn't it? It's just quite out out over the top. But did you know, on the sun, the temperature on the surface of the sun is 5,000 500 degrees. Now, how many people think that's an extreme? That's kind of taking it to a whole nother level right now, isn't it? No, now you know why you get sunburnt when you go outside in the sun, particularly in New Zealand where there's not much ozone layer. All right, you get quite burnt. But uh, 5,500, we think, wow, that's just kind of really going to another level. But did you know also on the sun or around the sun is an atmosphere. It's called the corona. And the temperature in the corona of the sun is not just 5,000 degrees or 50,000 or 500,000. It's actually 2 million degrees Celsius in the corona of the sun. Wow. Now, how many people think that's an extreme? That just kind of blows everything else out of the water, doesn't it? And this is what it's like when you're trying to comprehend God, what God can do, what God wants to do. Amen. You've got an idea. Sometimes we're thinking at this little box, but God just blows us out of that box. And then He blows us out of that box and He just keeps on expanding because He's so amazing. He's so awesome. And I believe what He's got in store for us is often way, way, way beyond where we can even comprehend it at the moment. Amen? God's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than adequate supply. I love the miracles of Jesus in the Bible. Because when Jesus performed a miracle, particularly a miracle of multiplication, there wasn't just enough. There was more than enough. There was an abundance. Remember when he fed the 5,000 men plus women and children? How many baskets were left over? Twelve, right? Twelve full baskets left over. And then when he fed the 4,000 men plus women and children, how many baskets were left over that time? This is testing your Bible knowledge, all right? Some of you are going, oh, were there two of those multiplications? Yes, there were. And the second one, 4,000 men plus women and children, and there were seven baskets full left over. Abundance and overflow. Jesus was out fishing with his disciples one time, and they didn't catch any fish. In fact, he was on the shore. They were out in the boat. And so Jesus shouts out from the shore to the disciples and he says, throw your net over the other side of the boat. That's what it sounds like, you know. And so they threw their net over the other side of the boat. And suddenly they had so many fish in their nets that they were struggling to pull the nets. And in fact, they had to call another boat alongside. The nets were starting to burst. And they pulled those fish in and they put the fish into both boats. And both boats began to sink because there were so many fish. Wow, that's an abundance, I mean. But how many people dare to believe that that's the kind of catch that God's got in store for His church? Amen. That He wants to give us this abundant catch. He wants to give us this abundance that we can't even contain it by ourselves. We have to start working together in order to contain what God wants to do for His church. Amen. 
But the miracle that really blows my mind is Jesus' first miracle, the wedding in Cana. You remember the story. Jesus is minding his own business. And Mary says to Jesus, Jesus, they've run out of wine. And Jesus is basically going, shh, what's that got to do with me? <laughs> and she just ignored him. And she said, hey, you, you do what he says. And Jesus reluctantly performed this miracle. It's like Mary pushed Jesus into his first miracle. She moved the hand of God before his time. Now, isn't that interesting? How many times are we waiting for God to do something, but God might be just waiting for us to do something? Amen. We start moving and then God moves with us. Reinhard Bonnke says that. If he's, if he's not seeing God move, he starts how does he start? He starts moving God, something like that. He starts moving and God starts moving with him. And that's how it is sometimes. Amen. But anyway, so Jesus says, all right, go and fill up those, those big water pots over there with water. Take some of that water and give it to the Toastmaster. And so, of course, you know the story. They, they fill the pots up. They take some water. They give the water to the Toastmaster. And the Toastmaster goes... Wow. It says, normally when the guests have eaten and drunk to their full, they bring out the cheap wine, but you have kept the best till last. I love that, don't you? God keeps the best till last, amen? He's keeping the best till last for you. You haven't seen your greatest days yet, amen? You haven't seen your greatest harvest yet. You haven't seen your greatest miracles yet. God has still got incredible things in store for each one of us and for you as a church. But what did that Toastmaster just say? He said, normally when the guests have eaten and drunk to the full. They'd already had a big feed. They already had a whole lot to drink. And they were full. And then the toast, that's when Jesus created 600 liters of premium wine. Whoa, that's a lot of wine right there. 600 liters. Well, they're already full. They already had a drink. I'm like, what was Jesus thinking? You know, are they going to be going rolling drunk home that night? I don't think so. But maybe Jesus, he was there to bless them. Amen. To bless them with an abundance. That young couple could have taken the wine that was left over. They could have sold it. They could have perhaps bought themselves a car or at least a donkey. I mean, or put down a deposit on a house or a stable or whatever, you know, a cave or whatever they had back in those days. But he was there to bless. He's the God of abundance. I love it when you go out in the star, in the, in the outside at night into a place where the clouds are very clear. And, and you just look up and there's so many stars, you just feel like you can grab a handful of them out of the sky and pull them down. There's so many. Do you know in the deserts around the world, there are literally millions of flowers that bloom, but nobody ever sees them. But God still puts them there. It's like there's just an abundance of God's beauty sprayed all around the planet. One of the one reasons I love coming to Malaysia is prawns, king prawns. I mean, I personally normally eat about 50,000 king prawns each time I come to Malaysia, right? And many of you will eat many king prawns as well. But, you know, the, the oceans don't run out. They just keep on producing more and more and more and more prawns. And uh, sometimes you get a flood season happen and there's just a, 
uh, an extra abundance of prawns. And, and it's just there's an abundance. Now listen, why should we ever think lack when we serve a God of abundance? Amen? A God of abundance. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above, higher. As I said, I was born in New Zealand and I was born in a province called Taranaki. And in the center of that province is a mountain called Mount Mount Taranaki or Mount Egmont is the old name they used to call it. And uh, Mount Taranaki is a beautiful mountain. And if you look at it from a satellite, it's exactly a circle. It's incredible. The the, um, native forest that's around it is exactly a circle print. And uh, the mountain is is over 2,500 meters high. And it has snow on the summit for most of the year. And uh, as a young man, I climbed to the summit of that mountain four times. I'm quite proud of that, except I've got a friend who's been to the summit hundreds of times. But uh, I've skied on the ski fields on that mountain so many times. And I, I loved that mountain. I thought it was the best mountain in the whole world until I studied geography. And I discovered there's other mountains in the world bigger than my mountain. Mount, what is it? Everest, Mount Everest. 8,800 meters high. It's more than three times the height of my mountain. I was embarrassed by that. (laughs) Mount Everest, I mean, it's awesome. And people, many people, I think a few hundred people have died trying to climb to the top of Mount Everest. In fact, if you do get to the top of Mount Everest, you've accomplished one of the greatest feats of mankind. And, and humanity is in awe of Mount Everest. But did you know there's a mountain on the planet Mars? It's called Olympus Mons. Guess how high that mountain is? 25,000 meters high. It's three times the height of Mount Everest. Wow. So what did God go and put a mountain on Mars three times the height of Mount Everest for? Because it's just like God, isn't it? When you think you've seen the highest, God's like, you think that's high? Have a look at this. And you're like, wow. He says, you think that's high? Have a look at this. And we're like, wow. And it just keeps on getting bigger and better with God, doesn't it? Amen. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what? Some? Most? All. Holy? entirely, completely, totally. When God says all, what does God mean? All. Thank you. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all what? All that you ask. And in fact, if you have a look in the Revised Standard Version of the Bible, it says there, all that you can ask. And it's like God's giving us a challenge. God says, I can do anything, but can you ask me? And if you go and have a look in the New Living Translation, it actually says there, all that you dare to ask. Do you ever play the game dare when you're kids? You know, with with your friends. This is what we used to do when I was a kid. You played dare. We called it dare. You'd say to your friend, I dare you to eat this. And you give them something terrible, you know, or I dare you to climb that or jump off this or, you know, what I'm talking about. And, and, and it's like God is playing dare with us. 
God says, come on, I dare you. I dare you to ask me. Why? Because the, the doing is God's part, right? But the asking is our part. And the Bible says, you do not have. Why? Because you do not ask. That's it. You do not have because you do not ask. What does that tell us? It tells us that there's a whole lot that God's got in store for us that we don't get hold of simply because we don't ask for it. You do not have because you do not ask. But then the Bible says, ask and it will be given to you. Wow. So we can miss out on things God has in store for us simply because we don't ask. So perhaps we could ask more. Or we could ask bigger. Or we could believe bigger. You know, children tend to ask a lot of questions, don't they? How many parents have got children that ask for things all the time? Mum, Dad, can I have one of these? Can I have one of those? Can I have this? Can I have that? Can I? You know, and it's kind of like it just gets kind of more and more expensive the older they get. You know, it sort of starts out as little toys and then it kind of starts being like, you know, electronic toys and mobile phones and all that. And, and then it's kind of, imagine a child who dared to ask their mum or dad for something big. Imagine this. Imagine a child comes to his dad and says, Dad, can you buy me... If, listen, Dad, if I, if I pass my school exams, will you buy me a car? Now, imagine this is you, okay? Imagine this is you. Back, Rewind for some of you. Back to your school days. You say to your dad, if I pass my final exams, will you buy me a car? And your father says, well... Okay, but listen, I'll do you a deal. I won't just buy you any old car. I'll buy you a Nissan 370, brand new. And if you pass, not just pass your exams, but if you get this level of exams, this level of grades. And so you're like, all right, sounds like a good deal. So you study really hard. And when you study, you sit those exams and you pass and you get those grades. And true to his word, your father says, come on, let's go down to the Nissan dealer. And uh, is, Nissan, is it 370? You know what a 370 is? What's a cool car? Okay, let's change this. We've got to change this. What's a cool car in Malaysia? Don't say Proton. What's a cool car in Malaysia? Huh? The three, Huh? I could say Nissan Skyline, all right. Is that cool? You don't even know what I'm talking about. Anyway, he goes and takes you to the Nissan dealer. He buys you the 370, he buys you a Skyline, whatever it is, and you jump in that car because it's a cool car and it's a fast car. And you jump in that car and you drive around to your mate's place. You First you do some donuts and a few wheelies and you go to your mate's place and you go and you knock on the door and your mate comes to the door and you say, hey, come and have a look at my car. And your mate pokes their head out and goes, whoa, cool. There's a 370 in the driveway, La. And, and it's like, who's that? And it's like, that's my car. They say, it couldn't be your car. He says, it's my car. No way. Yes way. So it's like, whoa. It's like, and you tell them the story, right? How your, your dad bought them this car, bought you this car. And they're like, that is too cool. And can we go for a ride? So sure, you take them, they jump in the car, you take them for a ride, and you do some donuts, you do some wheelies, and you're driving down the road, and your friend's like, whoa, this car's so cool. And they say, whoa, your dad is so cool. They say, 
well, your dad is, is really generous, eh? And, uh, whoa, your dad must be rich. It's like, whoa, I like your dad. Uh, who would like a dad like that? All right, yeah, eh? And, and so what's your friend doing? Your friend's giving your dad praise, eh? And barely knows your dad, but your friend's giving your dad praise because of what your dad has done for you, and your dad's done far more than you ever asked your dad to do. Isn't that awesome? You know, sometimes we don't receive from God simply because we don't ask enough. And, uh, you know, we miss out on the stuff that God's got for us, right? Imagine, imagine you had this incredibly filthy, rich relative. Very, very rich. Squillionaire. Okay? That goes millionaire, billionaire, trillionaire, squillionaire. All right? But they live in another country. And they come to visit you one Christmas time. And they say to you, look, look, I'm sorry, I've never had Christmas with you before, have I? It's like, oh, I've never bought you a Christmas present before. It's like, oh, I really feel that I, I need to make it up to you, eh? And you're like, <laughs> tell me, whatever you want for Christmas, this Christmas, you name it, I'll buy it for you. It's like, what are you going to ask? It's like, oh, and you look down and you got a hole in your sock, right? And you look down and it's like, oh, I need socks. Can you buy me a pair of socks, please? <laughs> You're not going to ask them for a pair of socks, are you? If they're a squillionaire and they say they'll buy you anything, what are you going to ask them for? You can ask them for a Lamborghini, a Ferrari. Of course, so you can sell it and give the money to missions. Of, but, you know. Or you're going to buy, you can ask them for a house, a big house, so you can have people come and stay and host people and all that. Now you're going to ask for something big. Because if you ask for something small, what are you saying to them? You are saying, aren't you? You're saying, I don't really believe that you will buy me anything that I ask for. You're like, nah, that's not going to happen. And you limit what you got because you asked only according to your own expectation, not according to what they said they would do for you. And you miss out. But if you said to them, really? Okay, Lamborghini and a house. Okay, they'd go, whew, that's, that's a lot, right? But I said I'd do it. And because I said I'd do it, I'm going to do it. But see, what are you doing when you are actually asking them for what they are saying they will do you're saying i believe in you i believe what you say is true i believe you're that good i believe you're that generous i believe you had that resource and you are giving them praise aren't you so now here's one how many people like worshiping god right give me a wave you like worshiping god and you know those times i do i love worshiping god right and you know those times where the worship leader and you you kind of sing a song and then they kind of sing in these chords uh, playing these chords and then the worship leader says sing a love song to the lord eh uh, just just sing your own words and you're like okay and you lift your hands up and you go hallelujah praise god love you jesus ah uh, and then you pray in tongues because eh? you, you can't think of anything else to say. You know, I got stuck like that before. You know, of course not. But you know what I mean. But let me challenge you with this one. Here's a way of praising God. 
Start asking God to do extraordinary things in and through your life. Start asking God to bless you in an extraordinary way. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not a prosperity message. I'm talking about things that God wants to do in you. I'm talking about things God wants to do through your life. It's not about pampering you with stuff. Amen. But God wants to do extraordinary things. And if you start asking God to do extraordinary things, you are giving God praise. You're telling him you believe he can do it. You're telling him that he has the resources to do it. You're telling him that he probably wants to do it. And because he said in his Bible, just ask and he'll do it. You're saying, I believe your word. You're giving God praise. Amen. Now listen, there's two reasons why children do not receive everything they ask their parents for. One is that the parents have got a limited supply, okay? See, if children ask their parents, they'd they'd just run out of stuff in about two weeks. Parents would have to sell the house and the car and give the child everything they ask for. It's gone in two weeks, right? But there's another reason why parents don't give their children everything they ask for, and that is that parents know better, all right, most of the time. Parents know better. Just for example, chocolate. How many people here like chocolate? All right. Imagine a child says to their mother mother or father, they say, Mom, Dad, I really like chocolate. Can I please eat chocolate for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner for the rest of my life? Just chocolate, nothing else, chocolate. What's Mom and Dad going to say? No. Why is mum and dad going to say no? Because it will kill you, right? You will die with a smile on your face, but you will die because you eat chocolate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay, so mum and dad know best. Now, listen, you would agree with me that God has got no limit to his supply, amen? So if you were to ask God for something and you were not to receive it, there's one reason why. What's that reason? God knows better. Amen. Or we could say, God knows something that we don't know. Now, we could let that upset us. We could like, it's not fair. God knows stuff that I don't know. And, and yeah. Or we could go, hey, look at what God invites us to do. What does he invite us to do? He invites us to find out what he knows. Amen. In fact, Jesus put it this way. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, in other words, get into the Bible, get to know God's promises. You know, the 7,000 promises in the Word of God. 7,000 promises in the Word of God. Get into the Bible, get into God's Word, and get God's Word into you. Because something happens when you get God's Word into you. It starts changing you, doesn't it? As well as you start believing God, God starts changing you. And then you find yourself starting to ask God and God is happy to do everything that you ask God because you start asking God in accordance with His Word. And if you ask in accordance with His Word, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that he, that we have that which we ask of Him. It's awesome, amen. What a good God we have. He's amazing. But you know, whatever you ask God for, God has got more in mind for you. Whatever you ask God for concerning the vision for your church. Whatever you ask God for concerning the vision and purpose for your life. God has got more in mind than we can ever really get our heads around at this point of time. And uh, imagine this. There was a man who died and went to heaven. He was walking around heaven with one of the angels. And they came across this huge big building. And the man said to the angel, what's that building over there? 
And the angel said, oh, you don't want to know. He's like, yeah, uh, what is it? And, and the angel said, look, if I tell you what that building is, if I, you're going to be really disappointed. The man's like, oh, go on, please, just let me have a look. The angel said, all right, but I warned you. Takes him over to this building. I mean, it's massive, like a huge big warehouse. Takes him over to it, opens this big door. Like that. They peek in, and it's like, whoa. And it's like floor after floor, you know, far as the eye can see. And on all of these floors, there's like all these shelves everywhere. And on all of the shelves, there's all these presents, all these parcels, and they're all wrapped up. And the angel said to the man, you know, me and a whole lot of angels, we took a long time wrapping up all of these gifts, right? But nobody on earth has ever asked for them. Now, wouldn't that really, really annoy you if you got to heaven to discover God had things in store for your life that you never received simply because you never asked Him? Now, again, I'm not just talking about stuff. I'm talking about His purposes. I'm talking about what He wants to do in you. I'm talking about what He wants to do through you. I'm talking about what He wants to do for your church. You just didn't have it. It didn't happen because you just kind of, oh, well, whatever, drifted along, got through life, got to the end, oh, well, you missed out on what God had for you. God has got so much in store for us. God is able to do, the Bible says, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, and think. Because how many times... Would you think something but never ask it? You know, like I said before, what would you ask a, a squillionaire relative for? How many of you got a thought in your mind but you didn't say it? You know, and this is what happens. We get a thought in our mind and we think, oh, no, that's too big. Oh, no, I can't say that. No, that's embarrassing if I ask for something. People, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? If I, and, and so you don't even ask it even though you thought it, right? And so what is God saying here? He's saying, uh, not just what you're saying, not what, just what you're asking, but also even what you are thinking. Wow, that's pretty powerful right there. But this is where so many people fall short. Because a lot of people, their thinking stinks. They've got stinking thinking. They've got small thinking, negative thinking, evil thinking. It's thinking that God just can't work with. Or you'll never see God working in that, through that. It's, it's like uh, we've, got to, we've got to learn to align our thinking with God's thinking, right? You've probably heard the Bible say that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, right? Now, of course, yes, His purposes are greater and all that, but it doesn't mean that everything that God does we just don't understand it. I believe what that means is whatever we're thinking, God is thinking higher than that. God is thinking above that. God's thinking beyond that. God's thinking the next step. He's, he's just, he just understands and he, and, he, and he knows and he's thinking these great thoughts. But the thing is this, the Bible says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, but I love this particular translation. It says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you says the Lord, thoughts 
of peace and not of evil. It also puts in there, some translations say to prosper you and not to harm you. But they're not just thoughts that he's thinking about you. They're thoughts that he is thinking toward you. It's like God is saying, here, this is what I'm thinking. Grab it. Make my thoughts your own thoughts. Own these thoughts. These are the thoughts that will give you a future. These are the thoughts that will give you a hope. Amen. You know, when you hang out with bigger thinking people, you start thinking bigger yourself. It's hard, it's hard to soar like an eagle when you hang out with turkeys, right? But you start hanging out with bigger thinking people, it rubs off on you. You start getting stretched. You start getting expanded. In the early 2000s, I had the opportunity to travel with a friend uh, around the world, and we went to Bogota, Colombia to what was at that time the fastest growing church in the world. And uh, it was pretty awesome. We had this international conference that we went to, 20, 20 plus thousand people. It was so powerful. The presence of God was so powerful. But we went on the Sunday afternoon to their celebration service for their church, hosted in the National Football Stadium. I mean, there was close to 100,000 people in that service, one church praising God. At the time, it was one of the most awesome things that I experienced. In the Sunday morning, we had a bit of spare time. So I thought, or the few of us said, let's go to one of the smaller churches in town. So we went to this small church or smaller church that only had 10,000 people in it. Now, I got to tell you something. Something shifted inside of me. Something shifted inside of my thinking. And immediately... God started opening up doors for me to preach in big, big churches. Churches in Malaysia, churches of thousands of people here in Malaysia, churches in India of tens of thousands of people. God just started opening these these doors up. God gave me a vision to win an extraordinary number of salvations uh, around the world. and, and, And so I thought, I need to hang out with somebody who's winning an extraordinary number of souls. And so I've been with Reinhard Bonnke on crusade a couple of times, which I'm going to tell you a little bit more about later. And, and just a man who's, through his ministry, he's retired from crusade ministry now, but their ministry has seen 78.5 million salvations. And so it's a good person to let influence your thinking, amen, and, uh, which it has done for mine. And when you hang out with somebody like that, when you hang out with a bigger thinker, it starts to stretch your thinking as well. God is able to do... There's no bigger thinker than God, right? And so if you spend time with God, you spend time in the Word of God, you're going to find that your thinking starts getting enlarged. You start lining up your thoughts with God's thoughts. Amen. God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think, or if you see it in the New Century version of the Bible, instead of using the word think, it uses the word imagine. And I like that as well because... Imagine. It's more than you can imagine. What is imagine? It's like you're envisaging something in your mind. You're getting a mental picture of something in your mind. You know, you see that with athletes sometimes. Before an athlete goes and does a high jump or whatever, you see them standing there, right? And and the Olympics, have you ever seen this on TV? They're they're standing there and you can kind of see them going in their mind. And then, okay, and then they, they go. They've kind of worked it all out, what they're going to do before they do it. They've seen themselves do it before they do it. It's getting this picture. And it's like 
It's like getting a dream, having a dream. Some people dream a lot, right? Some people dream a lot because they eat too much cheese before they go to bed. But, but other people dream a lot because they spend a lot of time with the dream giver. What does the Bible say? Jesus said, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires. God, you get close to Him, you spend time with Him. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. In other words, He's going to put a, a dream in there. He's going to put something in there. Or you could say this. Another word that fits in there is what can you conceive of in your mind? What can you conceive of? What can you come up with? And sometimes it's almost like God's sitting back and waiting for us to come up with something. And it's like, you know, there's times where we get close to God and God puts something in our spirit. And there's other times it's like, as we are spending time with God, something is brooding within us. You know, as the word conception comes about through intimate interaction, right? When people are intimate, conception takes place. When you get intimate with God, conception takes place. You start to conceive things of the Spirit. God starts to put things into your spirit. Before you know it, you get pregnant with God's plan. You get pregnant with God's purpose. You start to carry something. It's a dream. It's a vision. And before you know it, you've given birth and you are accomplishing something and you leave a great legacy for God. Amen. Another translation, instead of using the word think, this is the New Living Translation, uses the word hope. And I like that as well, because hope is like thinking with a positive expectation. There's a lot of people that have a negative expectation. They're pessimistic. There's people that are even listening to my preaching tonight going, oh yeah, Serious, negative expectation, pessimistic when it comes to thinking the way God thinks or believing for great things in God. It's like struggling to get heads around this type of stuff. And sometimes our, our expectations are limited to our experiences. Sometimes it's our upbringing. Sometimes it's our environment. It's what's going on around about us. It's like nobody's ever done that around here. Nobody's ever thought like that before. Nobody's ever stepped out of our box. And sometimes we keep ourselves stuck in this box. But hope is having an optimistic outlook. During the Great Depression, you know the Great Depression? Back in the like, late 20s, early 30s, when the, everything collapsed. Well, there was a man in America, his name was Mr. Yates. And Mr. Yates had brought a sheep ranch. And so he had all the, all the sheep all over the paddocks and everything. And then the Great Depression hit. And the price of commodities plummeted. And so Mr. Yates was no longer getting much money for his wool or for his meat. Price of sheep, gone. So he wasn't getting much money. So, so now he couldn't afford to pay his mortgage principal, you know, or the interest, he was struggling. In fact, he even had to put his family on government subsidy in order to feed them and clothe them. No doubt Mr. Yates was worrying every day that somebody's going to come from the bank, they're going to knock on my door, they're going to foreclose my mortgage, and I'm going to lose my whole ranch. And then one day there was a knock on the door, but it wasn't the bank. 
It happened to be a seismographic team from a local oil company. They said, Mr. Yates, we think there might be oil on your ranch. Will you permit us to drill a well? Mr. Yates said, why not? Got nothing to lose. So he signed a lease. And they, they drilled what they call a wildcat well. It's a test well. They went down at 1,115 feet. They struck oil. Now, they didn't just strike a little bit of oil. They struck the largest oil reserve in the state of Texas. And Texas is the oil capital of America. Out of the ground came 80,000 barrels of oil a day. They tested that well something like 30 years later and out of the ground was coming 125,000 barrels of oil a day. Had been doing it for 30 years. And guess what? When Mr. Yates bought that ranch, he bought all of the mining and mineral rights to the ranch. In other words, Mr. Yates owned all of that oil. But Mr. Yates was living in poverty and he was worrying about the future. Why? Because he didn't know that resource was there for him to tap into. I've got some good news for you today. When you become a child of God, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become a child of the creator of the entire universe. You might have heard it said, my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Amen. He owns more than that. He owns the diamonds on a thousand planets. I read an article when I was in Malaysia a couple of years back, and, I, and it was about they discovered this one planet, which is a solid diamond. I mean, that blows your mind, doesn't it? One, a whole planet, it's a solid diamond. That makes your wedding ring worth nothing suddenly, doesn't it? But wow, what an awesome God we serve. God is a good God. He's a God who has great promises in store for every one of us, who has great plans and purposes in store for each one of us. If we're going to leave a legacy, we've got to stretch out and begin to embrace what God's got for us. Amen. I'm going to invite the musicians to come. I want to ask you a couple of questions tonight, just in wrapping up. Musicians could come quickly. Maybe we could just stand to our feet. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and we're going to pray for you tonight. The first question that I want to ask you is this. Are you ready? The first question is this. What is your dream? What is your dream? Do you have a dream? Some of you once had a dream, but you let it go. Some of you had a dream, you, you got discouraged. You got disappointed. You let it go. Some of you had a dream. You got derailed. You got distracted. You got sidetracked and you let it go. You know, the Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You could say the plans and purposes of God, what He has in store for our lives, what He wants us to do, He, he puts it out there for us, but He doesn't take it back. It's like things that, that God said here, Go after this. It's still there. It's waiting for us. And I believe God wants to reconnect people with the purpose that he has for your life, with the plan that he has for you. To turn around and go, I'm going to dare to believe again. Because some of you have stopped believing. You've stopped believing what God had in store for your life. And I believe that God wants to reconnect some of you with the dream. Some of you had a dream. You know, you had this dream and you thought, 
nah, it's too big. It's too big. It's like, God, God's not going to use me to do that. It's too big. Obviously too big for me. Let me tell you something. If God gives you a dream, it's going to be too big. That's one sure way of knowing that it's a God dream. If you come up with it, it's just going to be doable. But if God comes up with it, you can't do it unless you partner with God. You can't do it unless you cry out to God. You can't do it without His help. I knew that when God gave me the vision He gave me, it had to be God. Because there's no way that I could do what God's put in my heart. Some of you have got a dream. But tonight, you may be thinking, perhaps my dream's a little bit small. Perhaps the legacy that I could leave could be something more. And it's like, God, uh, take me to another level. There's more. There's more. Some of you don't even have a dream. You don't have a dream. You're kind of like just cruising along, wondering what your life's all about. The Bible says without a progressive vision, or you could say without a dream, we dwell carelessly. Some translations say our life comes to nothing. It says we're not going to achieve the purpose for which we came. We won't leave a legacy. But I want to pray for you tonight at this point. And if we could all close our eyes for a moment. And if this speaks to you, any one of those four categories concerning a dream. You want prayer concerning your dream. You had a dream, you got distracted, you got derailed, you let it go. You had a dream, you got disappointed, you let it go. Maybe you got hurt, you let it go. You had a dream, you thought it was too big, it can't be God, threw it away. You got a dream, maybe your dream's a little small. Or you don't have a dream, and you'd like God to give you a dream. Any one of those four things, I want you to put your hand on your head right now. Just put your hand on your head, wherever you are. Don't, don't worry about looking around. Just close your eyes. No one's going to see you. Just put your hand on your head. If you want prayer concerning your dream. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to thank you for these beautiful people here tonight. And I want to thank you, Lord, that you have got so much in store for them as individuals, and as a church. Incredible things in store. Father, I want to pray first of all for those that had a dream. And they got disappointed. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would heal that disappointment. Father, that where they've lost faith, where they've lost expectation, where they have even thought that you, you're not good anymore. Father, I pray that you'd heal the concept that they have of you. Lord, that you would restore their expectation. For those that got derailed and distracted and perhaps are a little bit off course even with their walk with you. God, I pray that you would woo them back by your love, by your goodness, by your purposes for their life so that they'll 
reconnect with you and reconnect with all that you have in store for them. For those, Lord, that had a dream and they thought it was too big, they just didn't even dare to embrace it. God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Two things, Lord, I pray that their their understanding of how great you are and, and what you can and what want to do will truly be cemented in their mind tonight. But not only that, not only would they think greatly of you, but I pray, Lord, that you would help them to realize how greatly you think of them. Those that have disqualified themselves, those that have belittled themselves. Father, you believe in them because you believe in what you've put in them. You've put your spirit in them. Father, you know what they can do when they partner with you. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help them to reach out and embrace that dream. Say, together with God, we can do this. Together with God, we can do this. And Father, for those that don't have a dream, Lord, I pray you'll draw them close to you, closer than they've ever been. Lord, I pray that they'd be so stirred to lean into you, to become more intimate with you, to come into that place, Lord, where you place within their spirit all that you have in store for them, that they might embrace that in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, for those that have got a dream, but it's just a small dream. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray, increase. Father, I pray enlargement. Father, I pray multiplication. Lord, take them to another level in the terms of what you want to do in and through their lives. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Now I want to challenge you with another question. And and we're going to open up this area down the front in just a moment. And we're going to begin to pray. And uh, we're going to pray for you. And I just have such a joy. It's, it's, It's an incredible joy to preach the Word of God. See, my job is to preach the Word of God. His job is to confirm it. Amen. That's what he says. You go, you go preach and I'll confirm it. And, and so I love to pray for people. It's just an incredible privilege that I have praying for people all around the world and seeing God do amazing, amazing things. To see incredible miracles happen, healings happen, and lives changed, and people blessed, and people just seeing God do amazing things through their lives as a result of prayer. Now, one of the reasons I've married my wife is not just because she's beautiful, but she's also a woman of prayer. And she's a woman who sees great results. I'm one of them. Amen. <laughs> That's a story. Amen. No, praying and believing for her husband. But no, God, God uses my wife when she prays. She's a proud, powerful prayer. And I've seen people healed, paralyzed arms healed. Other miracles happen as she's prayed. But I've seen broken lives, many broken lives restored when she prays. So if she prays for you, you're not getting second best. Amen. But there's also a good team here, I imagine, that are great prayers that are going to pray along with us. Because I want to challenge you. This is kind of like an icebreaker meeting tonight. I appreciate that. We break the ice on the first night of camp. A lot of you have been sort of sussing me out 
throughout this meeting. I don't know if, you know, shall we really listen to this guy or what? But it's an icebreaker. It's just a breaking ground. But it's also really breaking your hearts a little bit down. Or it's like, are you ready? Are you ready to step into God? Do you really want what God's got for you? Do you really want to leave the legacy God wants you to leave? Amen. So in a moment, we're going to open this area down the front. We're going to pray, pray for you. We're going to lay hands on you. But there's just kind of a few questions. You know what I'm saying? Tonight, this is the question. What is your need? What is your need? Some of you have got a need that's in relation to your vision. That's my situation. My vision is going to take about $10 million to fulfill it. So I've got a need that's in relation to my vision. Some of you got a need that's in relation to your vision as well. And so, or some of you just got a need. Maybe you've got a financial need. Maybe you just need a, a breakthrough in your finances. Well, God's more than able to do that, isn't he? The God who owns the diamonds on a thousand planets, who can provide abundantly, exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask. Maybe you need healing in your body. I'm going to talk about this in one of the next couple of sessions because I've been praying for the sick for over 30 years and seeing God healing bodies. And, and we just keep on going for more and more and believing God for more and more. And I believe that God's going to heal bodies over this weekend. Amen. As well. And we're going to go for that. There's great stuff going to happen. What's your need? Maybe you need healing in your body. And we'll, we'll pray for you tonight. We'll believe God tonight to touch your life because he's able to do it. Amen. Hey, here's one that'll blow your mind. I mean, there's a, there's a friend of mine. He's a, he's a pastor evangelist in Mexico. His name's David Hogan, if you haven't heard of him. And their mission, they've seen like literally hundreds of people raised from the dead. And that's kind of like, really? Hundreds of people raised from the dead? How could that happen? You know, you know why it's happened? It's because when they lead someone to Jesus, they, this is what they say to them. Now you can raise the dead. And they haven't been sitting in church for years where kind of like, there hasn't been that kind of expectation of extraordinary things. They say, now you can raise the dead. They're like, oh, that's what Christians do. They raise the dead. All right. So they raise the dead. You cannot be a pastor in their ministry unless you've raised two people from the dead. It's like, that's a whole new, whole set in the bar right up there, isn't it? But here's a story. This is what, this is a true story. Because he travels through the mountains and he's preaching in the villages and all that, right? He went into this village and in the village, there was some lepers, Particularly like this one had his face getting eaten away by the leprosy. Just a horrible, mushy, pussy mess. And he came over and he just stuck his hand right in the goo and just into the leprosy and prayed for this man. Went off. A couple of years later, he came back to that village and he was preaching around that village. And while he was preaching, he's looking around the crowd, and he saw a man in the crowd that he'd never seen before. And he's thinking this guy was really good looking. And he thought, a bit like Brother Aaron here. And it was like, he's like, wow, this guy is so good looking. He should be a movie star. You know, he should be, he should be in Hollywood. He should be a, a model or something like that. And then at the end of the meeting, the guy came up to him, grabbed him by the hand. He said, it's great to see you again, brother. And he's like, See me again? What do you mean? I've never seen you before. I wouldn't forget your face. Man, you are one handsome dude, right? He said, yeah, you've seen me before. No, I haven't seen you before. Yes, you've seen me before. You prayed for me when you were here last time. No, I never prayed for you. I would not forget your face. He says, brother, I was the leper. 
Wow. God didn't just heal his face. Gave him the most handsome face that you could think of. How awesome is that? How above is that? And to, how many people would like us to pray for your face tonight? Anybody? No, joking. You, you, you don't need it. You don't need it. You're beautiful. Amen. You're all beautiful. But see, whatever healing you might need, God's able to heal. And more than that, and, and what God's going to move our hearts to realize is that not only does God want to heal us, that God wants to heal through us. Amen. And he can and he will. He wants to do great things. He wants to bless you. Maybe you need loved ones saved. And I just believe God's just going to touch so many areas of our life. Whatever your need is, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. And tonight, I dare you to ask him. You might have asked him before. I dare you to ask him again because he says ask and you will say keep on asking and it will be done for you. Amen. So we're going to invite you to come. Actually, let me pause for a moment. Before I invite you to come, there's one need that you may have that's far more important than any other need any other person in this place might have tonight. And I want to give you an opportunity to receive this one if that's you. And the need is this. If you are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the Bible says that you are separated from God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And that is an eternal separation from God. And every one of us have sinned. We're all the same. We've all sinned. All sinned and fall short of God's glory. The wages of sin is death. But, the Bible says, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Amen? I can't promise everything's going to work out good for you. I can't promise that you have a future and a hope unless you have your life in the hands of a loving God, the God who created you, the God who came up with the plan and the purpose for your life. Amen? And He connects You connect with him through his son, Jesus. Jesus took your son, look, took your sin upon himself and died in your place so that you don't have to die. So you could spend eternity in his presence. And tonight, the very first night of camp, you can connect with God and you can go deeper and deeper on your journey with God over this weekend. I want to give you an opportunity right now to say yes to Jesus. Let's close our eyes. Let's every one of us just close our eyes, bow our heads for a moment. This might be your first time at camp. It might be your first time in a Christian gathering. Or perhaps it's just the first time that you've thought, hey, I really need to do this. I need to say yes to God. A good God who's got a good plan for my life. I want to connect with Him. I've done things that are wrong. I can't change that. But I can embrace God's Son, Jesus, who paid the penalty for all my sin. So all my penalties paid then I can be free from that penalty. And tonight you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior and make Him your Lord. That is to say, hey, I want to put my life in your hands. While we have our eyes closed, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you want to be included in this prayer, while we have our eyes closed, while we have our heads bowed, wherever you are in this room, can you just give me a wave? Hold your hand up high. You're saying, that's me. I want to say yes to Jesus tonight. Hold your hand up high. Give me a wave. For the first time, you're saying, hey, Jesus, yes, I'd like to receive you as my Lord and Savior. I want to connect with God. Who is there tonight? Give me a wave. Maybe you came with somebody. 
Maybe you brought somebody. Give them a little nudge. Say, this is your moment. This is your opportunity. We'll pray a prayer together. Who is there tonight? Well, maybe for you tonight, you once prayed a prayer. It might have been years ago. It might have been in Sunday school. Or it might have been in some other sort of a situation, a bit like this. You prayed a prayer and you said, yes, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But you've wandered away. You were one of those ones, maybe you got hurt, maybe you got derailed, maybe you got distracted, but you're not walking in relationship with him tonight. And you want to reconnect. You want to come back into relationship with God, a right relationship. If that's you tonight, while we have our eyes closed, while we have our heads bowed, can you quickly lift your hand? You say, yeah, that's me. I want to reconnect with God tonight. I want to get back into right relationship. Just lift your hand wherever you are. Give us a quick wave around this place. If that's you tonight, you're saying, yeah, I want to reconnect. Come back into right relationship. You're in the right place to do that tonight. Quickly hold your hand if that's you. You're saying, yeah, that's me. I want to re- a, a reconnect. A fresh start. Who is there tonight? Let me see your hand. Okay. We're going to move on. And... Uh, you're going to have another opportunity because I'm an evangelist. And perhaps God's just working on your heart tonight. Maybe you don't quite feel ready, but you might in the next couple of days want to make that, take that step. So we're going to do that at different times. I'll give you opportunity at different times if you haven't yet connected with God. But what we're going to do at this moment, the team's going to lead us in a song. I'm going to simply open this area down the front. And whatever needs you have that you want God to meet, I dare you to come and ask God tonight. Amen. So why don't you just come on, get out of your seat, come on down the front, make your way to the front, and we're going to pray and believe God tonight for those breakthroughs in your life. So don't wait for everyone else, folks. You'd be one of the trendsetters. You'd be one of the ones that shows God, I mean business with God on this camp. And get out of your seat quickly. Come on down here. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God together. Amen.